This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestale Radio. Of all the unlikely heroes, Escanal, Ambrose, goal! Darren Ambrose for Crystal Palace, and that may do it! At the start of next season, the academies of all 92 professional football clubs will be governed by a new and controversial set of rules. The elite player performance plan is the brainchild of the Premier League and represents a seismic shift in the coaching of our children. English football is not doing enough to create a sustainable future for its clubs. That's the hard-hitting conclusion of a House of Commons report into how football is run in England. The FA and the Premier League believe the elite player performance plan will revolutionise the development of the game. But critics say it will lead to clubs going out of business, with big clubs buying the best young players at knockdown prices. English football is not just about the Premier League, it's about those supporters who support their local club and have the passion of going to Torquay, Akron Stanley, etc. The elite player performance plan is being designed to absolutely give the most boys the best chance, the best possible development. Under the new plans, club academies will be divided into four categories. Category 1 academies will have access to the best young players. They must have an annual budget of at least £2.3 million, excellent facilities and 18 full-time staff. Category 2 academies will have less time to spend with players. They'll be able to train boys from four and sign them at nine. Category 3 academies will have no access to boys under 11. Category 4 academies will be a safety net, taking on released players and late developers. I think it benefits the top Premier League clubs. I think even for the clubs at the bottom of the Premier League, they're going to be prone to having their players stolen at a young age. I think for us, we probably feel more strongly about it. You know, we've got four of our current academy playing in the first team at the moment. They present us with an opportunity to fulfil the dream of trying to get to the next level and to have those players taken away from us at 16 years old when we've coached them from 8 to 16 for, for tiny amounts of money, we think is, is, is really bad for the game. 
it's, it's extremely important at the end of the day a club like us we thrive on our academy um, it's plain and simple you know we have an academy in place because it's the lifeblood of the club it's bringing young players through from the local area it's our pride and joy like many other clubs up and down the country and it's not there to basically produce young players for Premier League clubs to stockpile you know it's there for us it's not there for them With everything around Salhurst Park every Monday night, this is Homestale Radio. Hi, welcome to Homestale Radio. My name's Chris Hambling, and with me today I have John Burgess uh, helping me through the show. Hi, John. Evening, Chris. How are you doing? Well, excited um, and ill, of course, still ill, but, um, but very much looking forward to tonight. Uh, just obviously, quick welcome to all of those listening in. Uh, there's a lot more of you, you than there were yesterday for some reason. Not sure what happened there. Um, just to give you a quick rundown of what we're going to do today. We're, we're joined by Gareth Southgate and by Steve Parrish, who will be um, sort of helping us go through the, the E3P, as I'll be calling it today. Um, just basically a quick summary from Gareth on, on what, that, what, the, what the plan is, um, you know, where it came from, what the aims are. Uh, you know, we'll go through what the academy types are. Uh, talk probably a little bit about the voting process because obviously the the plan has been voted in by the football league clubs and that's kind of where this uh, this debate has come from and then we're just going to get into the, the, the sort of uh, the issues that are facing the football league clubs and, and you know get Gareth's uh, side of the debate um, on behalf of you know on the Premier League and the FA who have actually come up with the scheme so uh, first of all a uh, big welcome to to Steve Parrish and to Gareth um, thanks for coming along guys um, Gareth if, if we no, oh, excellent. See, I've already started talking over you. It's a bad sign. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna, I'm going to start with you, Gareth, if I may. And uh, the first two questions really can, can, can be combined in one. It's, is what is the the E3P, and and who devised it? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's uh, a new a new scheme to um, to modernise the the youth system, uh, the academy youth system in England. Um, in terms of how it's been devised, I think. Really, you have to go back a little bit to um, to when Howard Wilkinson was um, the in charge of, was the technical director at the FA. Uh, obviously, then we had a national school at Lillishaw, um, and the basis of that was the first academy, if you like. Uh, and Howard wanted to open that up, um, and he he had the um, he wrote the charter for quality, um, and his intention was that there would be around sixteen. Um, uh, club academies um, because if you look at how many elite players as such there would be in the country you know it's mm. questionable how many whether you would have enough to fill 40 50 academies which is what we've ended up with now right um, over the years um, understandably because it's been a uh, a good policy for clubs to have their own youth system we have ended up with with, with near enough 60 or so academies or centers of excellence um, and They've been funded um, partly by the Premier League, partly by the, the Football Association. Uh, mm. Now, the, the issue for the Football Association um, about five years ago was that um, just after Trevor Brooking came in uh, to his position, uh, taken over from Howard, um, members of the Football Association and the Football League decided that um, the FA, although they were going to be still distributing around £180,000 a year to all the football league clubs for their 
to help run their youth system, um, that there would be no accountability on behalf of the FA for that. Um, That was going to be administered by the Football League Trust. And um, although the Football League would monitor the the academies, um, the FA would have no direct input into that. And and that's been an uncomfortable situation because, um, you know, whilst there are and of course some very good academies at football league level there's also been unfortunately clubs that perhaps haven't had qualified coaches have had poor facilities um, and for every Middlesbrough crew Crystal Palace who've produced lots of players there are lots of clubs who've had uh, that investment of money and not produced uh, players mm. so you know the problem then comes when you're trying to modernise a system um, that the Football Association effectively five years ago were ruled out of that process. Uh, mm. And that's bizarre, really. For you know, It's bizarre for me, having come into the FA eight months ago, it's a, a, a situation I didn't fully understand. Um, and understandably, when uh, supporters, uh, you know, particularly the Football League club supporters, question uh, the system, they, they, they can't understand how that has happened. But yeah. it was to do with the solidarity payments some years ago that were put in place. Um, if I had a blank sheet of paper, and I think other people at the FA, I think we would have regional centres um, that were run by the FA that would have been an extension on Lillishaw, um, which is what happens in France and which is what happens in, uh, in, in some other European countries, Switzerland. Um, and then the, the governing body would have a much greater control on it, and then the clubs would then take their players from those academies. But we, unfortunately, we don't have a, a blank sheet of paper. You know, we're some seven or eight years down the line on on a system. Yeah. So that's why the Premier League um, were leading on this um, on this piece of work, and understandably, um, that's caused some problems um, when it's gone to football league vote. Um, mainly based around the compensation issue, which I I totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, from an from an FA perspective and from a, a you know a football perspective, which is the discussions that we've been involved in. Um, we've been involved in the discussions on the coaching element of the scheme. There's 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 a lot of aspects to this scheme. You know, there's facilities, yeah. there's education program. Uh, there is um, productivity, there's funding. Uh, We're involved in in the discussions on the actual funding packages um, and we've been involved in the coaching uh, uh, side. And why this is um, appealing to us from a coaching perspective is that at the moment, as I say, although lots of academies have some very good coaching, there are many that don't. And that mm. like, you know, that's Premier League as much as it might be Football League clubs. Um, we've just introduced F- new FA youth modules, which um, uh, are a new uh, brand of coaching schemes based around specific coaching for kids. Um, and at the moment, you had to have your UEFA A license to be able to coach. Um, now, your yeah. UEFA A license is really given or is attained to coach adults. Um, and what the FA wanted to introduce was, um, having spoken to academies up and down the country, a set of coaching awards that were specific for teaching kids. Um, no different to teaching school kids. Um, the skills needed, the, the way that kids learn is different to adults. Um, yep. And these have been, I have to say, the best received coaching awards that we've ever introduced. 
Um, so the advent of the new scheme allows us to, to make that a mandatory qualification, that, that every academy at every level would have to have coaches qualified um, that have set the FA Youth Awards and that uh, uh, understand the way of working. Um, the other big bonus for, for developing um, English players um, is the contact time uh, that we'll be allowed to get. And everybody spoke last year about how brilliant uh, Barcelona were. Um, yeah. But when you go to other countries, and I was in Switzerland on a study visit just recently, even in Switzerland, you know, they're 13, 14-year-olds now, um, which I think is a similar system at, at Palace, um, mm. have a link in with the local school um, or are educated on site. Uh, but the kids have five days a week of training. And, um, you know, that's upping the number of hours of uh, being able to train and work with the ball um, considerably from what the majority of clubs in this country have at the moment. Mm. Um, so there are many modernization things um, that are being put in place that we hope will benefit um, English kids for the long term because at the moment you know the statistics in the Premier League are quite frightening really we have 38 uh, something around 38% most weeks of players playing in the Premier League are English and um, whilst understandably the Premier League will have their view on things and the Football League clubs will have their view Somebody's got to oversee the whole thing um, as best we can in the position we're in and, and try and promote uh, English talent as well. And um, mm. that, that's something which um, is, is something I'm heavily involved in at the moment, going through from grassroots right through to the international teams. So um, in that perspective, you know, I want as many English kids to have the opportunities as possible now. Okay. I think we can go into plenty of debate now on on as to yes. how where that might happen. Yeah, I think I was going to bring Steve in on that point because it's one of the things I talked about with with, with him on one of our previous shows, where um, sort of one of the areas that uh, Steve was most focused on is because it's this has come from the Premier League, and you know, and in in a lot of ways, rightly so, because you know they're the that's where all the money is at the moment, and you know they they have driven part of this. So, but I mean, obviously, Steve pointed out that uh, it, the, the plan doesn't just affect in- English nationals. So, Steve, I'll, I'll let you jump in there. Yeah, I mean, I think you know a lot of the arguments or the, the, the things, or let's even say all of them that Gareth puts forward, are, are perfectly valid. I, I, for years, have got on planes and followed England. You know, I've been there when we've 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 not performed well. Nobody wants more than me wants to see a, a, a good England side. Um, I just think the issue with this is the noble objectives of the FA, who after all are supposed to oversee the, 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 the whole game, not just the benefit of the top Premier League clubs, have just been completely hijacked by the top clubs, in all, shamelessly hijacked, in order to fulfil their homegrown player requirement, which is which is fundamentally all they really care about in this um, we, we saw um, the chief executive of Chelsea at the Leaders in Football Academy talking about the fact that the only reason they lose money is because they spend it on transfer fees and they're desperate to bring through more home ground talent Alex Ferguson this week has been saying that you know he feels that, that they will have a new crop of players especially now this stupid 90 minute rule uh, has been got rid of and the academy can pluck kids from, from, from anywhere so you know, our issue with it is that we've, we've got this very good idea 
you know, a report that's looked into the fact, you know, why, why are England failing at, at international level? And and a lot of, you know, very good findings about improving things for the, for, for the kids and trying to nurture talent, etc. And then the whole thing just gets hijacked with the Premier League and they see an opportunity to put through something to their advantage. And for us in the Football League, I mean, look, last night I was, you know, because we're playing Man United, I was watching a rerun of us beating Man United 5-0 in the league. <laughs> um, I read in, today in the, in, the, in the paper that, you know, uh, because there's a lot of talk about Fergie's 25 years now, amazingly well he's done, which he has, you know, how they lost 2-1 to Palace in the league and he nearly lost his job and then it was the next game against Sunderland and Mark Robbins scored the header and, 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 and he survived. You know, Palace beating Man United 2-1 in the league wasn't that remarkable. When you watch mm. Palace-Man United games in, in history, it, it wasn't that remarkable if we did okay against them. Now, the gulf is so wide and it just seems that we, we are all expected to accept that that's now just the way it is. And that we're all fundamentally here, the rest of football is fundamentally here to propagate a better team for Man United or Chelsea. And that we're all somehow very concerned that Man United can't beat Barcelona in the Champions League. Or, or that, you know, Chelsea aren't, are losing 70 million a year and they're not getting enough homegrown players. You know, it, 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 it's so frustrating for us to have invested the money and the time and the effort that we have in our academy to have come into football really on the basis that there's one possibility for us to punch above our weight and move the club to the next level, to be then told that we can develop a kid to 16 through our coaching that presumably then is not as good as their coaching or, 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 or you know, their facilities are better, you know, their cones are better than ours or, or, or whatever it is. <laughs> and, and yet we get to, you know, a player at 16 and they can come and take that player for £130,000. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I, I don't... And, and for me, the FA just seems so weak. At the point where, where the Premier League just decide that, you know, we're not going to get any solidarity money, we're not going to get any Football League development money unless we absolutely agree... So all that's happened is all the clubs that don't care about academy football are now just going to pocket the 400,000 instead of the 180,000, still not produce any players, still not going to make any effort, and have voted for it, and voted against the teams that, whose lifeblood and survival is dependent and, and that outside possibility that we might actually move the club forward, which is what fans turn up for every week. You know, the... The top Premier League clubs may all think we're deluded, may think that there's a status quo now that will never, ever, ever change. But unfortunately, naive as we are, that's the dream we all live with. Mm. You know, we live that we might, over a period of 10 or 20 years, actually change that. And it's almost now like we're in a pincer movement of, of a kind of acceptance that this is the status quo, that when the music stops, these were the teams that we've decided will be the top teams in the country... And everybody else, unless they're prepared to put Manchester City kind of money into into the game, um, you know, aren't we allowed to participate anymore? Mm-hmm. And our only real purpose is to develop players for the top teams in the Premier League. And it's 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 frustrating when we agree with a lot of the wider aims in the in the report, you know. And I don't know what can be done about it, but it just feels like there's a there's almost a conspiracy against the, every other club to maintain a kind of status quo of the top Premier League clubs, and that's our frustration with it, really. Mm. 
Uh, Gareth, obviously, I want to give you a chance to, to re- reply to Steve's points there. Obviously, there's there's sort of um, the fundamental issue of, of compensation is in there, and that's something I know you, you were anticipating. But obviously, um, I mean, from, from the FA's perspective, if, if you look at um, Southampton getting the sort of money they've been, they've been getting over the last few years for Walcott, for Bale, for Oxlade Chamberlain, and then, you know, those three players at 16 could be taken for 130,000. Uh, that seems a very low arbitrary figure. I mean, what's the thinking there? Yeah, I, I mean, Steve, Steve makes some, some very, very good points. And um, again, I totally understand, um, particularly on the, the issue of fu- uh, money and compensation, um, be, because again, that is something uh, I know everybody's saying the FA should step in on this, but this was something that football league clubs before um, the current people in charge of the football league, before the current people in charge of the FA, before Steve was in charge of Crystal Palace, before I was at the FA. Unfortunately, we're all picking up the pieces from decisions that were made long before that, um, and basically the FA were written out of that. So. You know, unfortunately, we can't then ride in on our white charger and um, and start turning the clock back and saying, you know, legislation that's been put in, we can just turn around. And that's, you know, that is a frustration for, for us as much as anything else because, again, hand on heart, you know, my view would be that anything of this nature should be run by the governing body as it would be uh, in most other countries. Um, I've got to say that um, Jed Roddy, who's in charge of... Um, youth development at the Premier League. There's no doubt in my mind, you know, Jed's background is at Bath University where he set up a fantastic sports setup. Um, he is solely focused on um, producing a document that, um, that produces the best possible chance to produce players. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think um, whilst it's easy for us all to, to knock the Premier League on that, you know, there are lots of people working there that, that are, are doing this for, for genuine reasons and um, it, it's it's too easy sometimes for us to say, well, it's all about money for them and, uh, you know, we must remember that, the, the, you know, the Premier League are still subsidising clubs um, and are still uh, this money. Right, now, can, I, can I come into that? Subsidising who? Who are they subsidising? Well, at the moment, and this is... This is uh, the pot of money that goes into youth development within the Football League is uh, a dual pot from the FA and the Premier League. Um, now, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons I think that the current system isn't right is that Premier League clubs get more funding for their youth development. Now, as far as I can see, the new system where you, your funding will be based on the quality of your academy seems to me a lot fairer because why should you just because you're in the football league get less money for your academy than a Premier League club who have a poorer academy system um, and, I, and I don't think that can be right so um, at the minute just because somebody's senior team are, are, are in the Premier League uh, their academy system doesn't get the same level of funding so I would view that as something that um, that is important going forward uh, equally you know, if if you're planning to invest in an academy and you're in, you get yourselves into the Premier League. Why should rele- relegation then affect that funding if the club that went up hadn't invested anywhere near the money uh, that you had in, the, in in your your academy system? So there are there are some um, uh, some strange scenarios in the in the current system. And look, I think whatever system is in place, 
we're never going to get total agreement from 92 clubs. Um, and I and I hear a lot of the things that Steve said. I agree. Um, he mentioned about the quality of coaching. Um, it, it's not fair to assume that a, pre- a football league club would have lesser quality coaching than uh, than Premier League clubs because. Again, I've you know I've witnessed that myself. I've I've seen uh, at Middlesbrough, uh, you know, at Crew over the years, uh, and 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 with Palace that um, quality of coaching isn't dependent on which league you're in. Having said that, it's also not right for us to say um, that a Premier League club maybe that hasn't had as many kids in the first team have lesser coaching because it might be that the quality of players needed to get in their first team at the moment is is of a higher standard. So. Um, it's um, th- th- there are there are many many things to uh, to go through, just on the on the ninety minute rule. I mean, it, mm, it, yeah. if I'm looking at that as um, as a, as an overview, um, it's a very arbitrary uh, system at the minute. I mean, at Middlesbrough, you know, they had a fantastic um, uh, youth system, um, but effectively most of their ninety minutes was in the North Sea, <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> It wasn't really a great help in terms of the area they could they could attract boys from. Now, clearly for Palace, you've probably got one and a half million kids within a within that sort of radius, if not more. So, um, it's um, it, it, if you're at Plymouth again, you you know you're struggling to recruit that. So, the frustration for me, um, having been involved with you know even at first team level at Middlesbrough, was that. Um, Kids, we, you know, we could sign a kid from France. You could sign a kid from Spain for nothing at fourteen. Um, but um, the chance of an English kid making that move was often um, put to one side because the level of compensation was way above what you'd have to pay for a foreign kid. And that—that's where—that's the balance of the compensation. I, t- I totally understand that Steve would like a higher sum up front. Um, obviously, there are add-ons with this system that that would take it on, you know, up to 1.2 million, I think, after 100 Premier League games. Um, and you know, if you looked at the likes of um, uh, of Victor Moses and Ben Watson, we ended up with not much more than that for lads that had played sort of 50, 100 games in the first team. So they were fire sales, though, Gareth. You know, that was because that was the state of the club. I mean, you know. We, we we we've got more than that for Victor because we got two and a half million and we got all those add-ons. So we're still getting money from Victor now. We're still getting money from Ben now. We get all those add-ons anyway, as you know. So sure. So you know, I mean, I just I'd like to just come back on a few things. Number one, look, the ninety-minute rule. I don't have a huge issue with the ninety-minute rule. I mean, I, you know, I do feel personally that in a perfect world. Football clubs should have something to do with the academy, with the, with the community that they're rooted in, yeah. and the ninety-minute rule, you know, does kind of engender that. And there are disadvantages and advantages in catchment area. I know, for example, Norwich and Cardiff were more unconcerned about the um, the new academy system because they're so far away from another club. The impediments for kids moving and going, that you know, they would have to live away. They will have to live in dormitories. So. You know, they were very comfortable that they could retain a lot of the players because they're so remote. Um, and they, they actually felt, you know, that that was an advantage to them and that, that, that the EPPP wouldn't affect them quite as much. Um, but for me, 
Um, I just think there are so many things that are right about this that why didn't anybody just take the time and trouble just to get the last few things? This isn't really about just a small few incidentals that don't really affect anybody. This is genuinely, for me, a sledgehammer to crack a nut. You know, we're talking, you know, if you look at the four first team players that we've got at the moment, only one of them by default qualifies for England. Yeah. You know, so, but all four of those players could have been taken for, you know, what is tiny compensation. And, and we couldn't even prevent it. What's worse than that, we've now been told we've got to let the scouts in the training ground so they can come and cherry pick what they want. I mean, it's a situation where, I mean, I, you know, let's just go back to this funding. Yes, we were told that the solidarity, extra solidarity funding and the Football League Youth funding would be withheld. Well, why have we got ourselves into this situation? I mean, I must say, I feel some of the, the, the blame lies with the Football League as well. Because, you know, what, what would the Premier League really be like without the Football League? I mean, are we honestly saying that all of that television money and all of that spectacle is just paid because of the Premier League. You know, what would the Premier League actually be like if there was no relegation and promotion? So, come the middle of the season, if somebody was running away with the title, that was pretty much it. You know, there's as many Premier League games on a Sunday towards the end of the season that feature the battle for relegation, which, let's face it, only exists because there's this football league system that's being managed to get promotion into the Premier League. And yet we're blackmailed and told, because let's face it, nobody in the Football League would have voted for it if we hadn't been told that we were going to lose 1.2 million championship clubs of solidarity money and Football League youth, football youth funding if we didn't agree to it. Nobody would have assigned, agreed to it. It wasn't a fair vote. It wasn't the Football League club saying, OK, no, we, we get your point. Yeah, this is the best thing for the England team. Let's all sign up for it. It was just complete and utter blackmail. And any, everybody said it's blackmail, but nobody knows what to do about it. Because nobody fundamentally agrees that it's reasonable for us to run academies for the benefit of Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United and Manchester City. Which is really what, genuinely what we're being asked to do. I mean, there are some, there's another detail, for example. Let's say we become a Category 1 club, so, which, which I think we will. Why can you still, considering we're then giving all the right coaching, we're filling in all the right player assessments, we're adhering to the systems that have been laid down, we've got ISO coming in looking at the coaching, we've got the staffing programme, we're investing the right amount of money, we've got a school on or near site to educate the boys, we've got everything that the book calls for us to have, and yet they can still come in and by right take our players on a fixed compensation. Why, why at 16 can they take our players? Why, there's no coaching left to do. They've had all their hours possible. Why at 16 can they come and take a power of fixed compensation? I, I just I can't see how that fits with any logic that we've had put forward about what this is there to improve. Great, it's there to improve coaching standards. It's there to find better England players. I, I fundamentally agree that that's where we should be going. But if we're doing all those things... Why are we still open to the big club predators who don't even have to make an effort to come and find the kids at 12 or 13 like we do? So I've got a whole scouting network in South London of lads that are out freezing cold in the parks trying to find players. For what? So that we can sift the wheat from the chaff for Man United so they can take the best player at 16. It just seems 
so unbelievably unfair and so, such a loaded set of dice for, for, for every other club and the fact that it was just bulldozed through on the basis, well, we'll take all your money away. Now, don't get me wrong. Personally, I think a lot of football league clubs have got no backbone because I would have mm. said, well, fine, take the money away then. We only all get the same amount of money anyway. It doesn't make any difference to any of us. It doesn't make any of us relatively more competitive to anybody else because we all get the same amount of money anyway. Yes, transitioning from it would be difficult, but, you know, let's see if we can find a way. But it, it, it really does feel for me, Gareth, like the FA have a duty of care for the, football, for the game in this country. You know, these kind of decisions are pushed through and... Um, Everybody just says, oh, well, you know, that's the way it is because the Premier League get the big TV money and we've all got to agree to it. Well, I don't, I don't understand why. You know, these kind of decisions will have effects down the road that I think will be very detrimental to football because if you take away the fans' chance of a cut run of small clubs, the fans' chance for a promotion, the dream of getting to the next level, you erode a lot of interest in football. And if you erode that interest in football, you know, it isn't just Man United fans and Chelsea fans that watch that stuff on a Sunday afternoon. It's all of us interested fans that think that that game has got something to do with the game that we play, and that's the game that we aspire to. And we think that one day we might actually get there and we might play those guys and we might be in that division. And yet that seems to be taken further and further and further away from us on the basis of a scant possibility that we might be able to build a better England side because a few more English kids might end up in the Manchester United, Chelsea or Arsenal Academy. I mean, that, for me, is a bit of a mute point, whether, you know, 10,000 hours turns, you know, uh, a Lampard into a Messi. You know, I don't know. You know, will remain to be seen. But if we don't do that, and we destroy the fabric of the game at grassroots, because nobody can ever move from where they are to where they want to be, what are we going to do? And it just feels like, a little bit more attention to detail. We were even asking Gareth, candidly, on the last day before the vote, and the devil is in the detail, at the moment, if we offer at 14 a pre-scholarship agreement to a boy, we offer that, so we've had the boy from eight and we offer it to him at 14, they fall into the normal transfer system and tribunal system. We're secured effectively because we've shown an intent towards that player to continue to coach them and manage them and we've shown that we've kept them from 8 to 14 in order to do that. Now what they're saying, we only fall into the normal transfer system and out of fixed compensation if that player signs that contract. Now what's going to happen is players aren't going to sign those contracts because agents are going to tell them not to, which means we're then left with a decision at 14. Do we let that boy continue to play, come into the academy like we did with John Bostock who hadn't signed a pre-scholarship agreement? We let him continue to come into the academy. We continue to nurture him and train him, even though a club didn't want him then. And then they waited until he was 16 and they pounced. Now, they had to pay proper compensation. As it stands now, if we keep that kid to 16, he will walk away for £130,000. And you know, Gareth, as well as I do, that 13, 14 is quite difficult to really tell because the age difference a boy can be you know, 12 years and, and, and 11 months playing against kids that are 12 years and two months, and that can make a hell of a difference in terms of physical development at that age. By the time you get to 16, you've got a pretty good idea that that player is going to be worth something. And the biggest farce of it all is, when those players go to the Premier League at 16, what are the Premier League going to do to them? They're going to lend them back to us, because they're then going to say they need games, because the coaching's over. 
So we're going to suffer the ignominy of these clubs coming in. They're going to take our best talent for 130 grand. And then they're going to say, oh, do you want them back on loan as long as you pay their wages? And then when they don't make it, they're going to sell them back to us. Okay, I'm going to let Gareth uh, c- come in. There's quite a lot of points raised about money, game time, and you know the the, the sort of predatory um, nature that that's possible um, with some of the big club scouts. So, Gareth. Yeah, I mean, look, I have to go back. The, the first point I've got to go back to because you know just just on a in, in defence of the FA, and I'm not I'm not I'm not here to to duck issues, but it. It is not a case that, yes, the FA are here to oversee the good of the game. And that means that junior football, um, the grassroots game, as we know it in terms of kids playing on Sunday mornings, the FA have got to protect that. Now, the Football League and Premier League are commercial organisations. And commercial organisations who effectively, five years ago, said to the FA um, that we were not to be involved in, in, in this. Now, I don't really know the full history of all of that, Steve. I've, I've tried to, to find out, you know, because obviously with this um, subject coming in, why, why are we only involved in certain parts of this uh, discussion? Why, are, why haven't we been involved in, in other parts? Um, but that seems to be the landscape that was set five years ago that, that seems to have been irreversible. Now, that's that's a frustration for me, and goodness me, I can tell the frustration for you. Um, and you know, I don't like any more than you do the fact that um, that the FA don't have a say in that. And and if I could, if I could answer all those Palace fans who have sort of tweeted me and saying I'm disowning the club by uh, by supporting any of this uh, movement, then then of course I would because you know Palace gave me my opportunity. Um, and I wouldn't have had the career I had without their um, guidance and, and the opportunity to play. So, um, which is why you know it's a frustration because I can only answer the football side of things and very little about the discussions on uh, on compensation about what happened on the day of the voting. Because as you well know, we weren't invited into the room. Um, the football league. I've had. Constant conversations with David Weatherall, who's just taken over as uh, head of youth at the Football League. Um, you know, we've got to try and make the system work on a football basis. Uh, the finance, as you say, is something that uh, that, that is uh, barred. The money that the FA put in to help uh, fund things is something that, frustratingly, we we, we don't have any input into. And um, you're right; that that does seem uh, ridiculous, but. That, that's the scenario that was sent uh, some five years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I, I, I certainly, you know, certainly don't want to come across as, as, as holding you accountable. I mean, I understand the, 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 the political situation that, that a little bit, you know, although I'm new to it, that we seem to have ended up in. Um, I think you could equally say that the Football League, you know, separating with on digital and trying to do their own deal and not taking the fixed amount of money that they could have got then from the Premier League on the TV deal that, that was enshrined at that point are all mistakes that, 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 that people have made. But I do think that we need to look at something. I mean, we need to just decide what we want out of football. And if, and if what we're saying to all of the supporters of Football League clubs 
look, we're ever so sorry, but the music stopped when the Premier League started. And if you happen to be in there and you stayed in there, you're now a big club. And if you didn't, then you're forever, unless you can find a rich benefactor from the Middle East or Malaysia or, 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 or wherever. Unfortunately, that's just where you're going to be forever. And you can't out of acumen or skill or mining the talent in your local area or, you know, there's no way that you're ever going to be anything other than you are. And if, and if, and if we're comfortable with, 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 with saying that, then I think fine, you know, that's, that's, if that's what the majority of people want. Then, then, then we should go with that. My, my feeling is that it's just happening by default, that nobody's really asking themselves that question, that the, the, the ship's just kind of sailing along and decisions are being made and things are happening and that's the de facto um, situation that, 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 that we'll end up with. And in, and in 10 years' time, everybody will look back and say, you know, it's not as interesting as it was um, it's not competitive. The same teams win all the time. Nobody can ever get there. There's no surprises, and and people just, you know, uh, it, it's marginalised. You know, and apart from some kind of uber European competition that excites a certain number of fans, you know, it almost becomes like like boxing. You know, it goes from a mainstream sport to, to to something that's not so mainstream. Now, maybe I'm, you know, I genuinely can see these kind of problems that. that no. Steve, listen. I, I I think we were we were already at. Um, you know, if we look at the top four or top six of the Premier League over the last ten, fifteen years, there won't have been huge amount of changes in that. There'll be odd clubs. You know, Everton have, have had a season where they qualified for the Champions League. Um, Spurs would would be in uh, contention and, and qualified last season. Um, and there's no question that you know the the healthy nature of the football league is number one. It's unique to our country um, because you know you travel around other countries. They don't have you know they don't have 92 professional clubs. They don't have uh, the sorts of crowds that we get in the football league. Um, you know I've played in it. I've managed in it. And I've got to say there was a uh, when you know having managed in the Premier League and then you know managing and going to to. Uh, Scunthorpe away and places like that there was a a, a natural um, beauty about going to those grounds that you know that there was a warm welcome there were you know there was a face to to put to uh, to a name you know people you, you were welcomed into to to uh, for a cup of tea or whatever it might have be there's just a genuine touch about it that I, you know, I loved being. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get the opportunity to manage in the league as long as I'd have liked. But I, but I loved the competitiveness of the league. I loved the fact that, as we saw this week in the football league, you know, somebody could go away from home, win five nil, totally unexpected. The difference between the sides is much closer. So that is a strength, as far as I'm concerned, and 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 I totally understand the concerns about um, about that altering. Now. Look, in terms of of kids and their and their decisions, you know, I think what we've got to um, focus on here as well is um, you've had some excellent kids come through your youth system. Um, for some, they've taken the decision to go elsewhere. You know, I'm a parent, and my view is that if my kid's in a good system like yourself, with an opportunity to get into the first team at a football club, then I wouldn't see any and living locally to home I wouldn't see any reason for my kid to move now not every parent is going to be that way and I understand that and and as you say there are some agents who 
um, who colour these kids' judgments and 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 uh, soft soap them into making some some wrong career decisions. Um, but I still think if if you're running the the quality of system which you have there, that um, that that local attachment will still carry a lot of weight and. Um, uh, you know, parents have to think seriously about whether they want their kids to move because, as you say, the, the opportunities at a at a bigger club to get into the first team will be greatly reduced um, than you know than those that they currently have at a club like Palace. I agree. I mean, look, we we certainly won't give up. Um, we've got no intention to to, to we're not going to you know close the academy in a bit of pee because I say you know we will we will work hard to attain. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If we can, category one status. We had a board meeting about it the other day with the other owners. We don't see... There's an enormous amount in there that's positive. And we, you know... Gary is a, who you may know, who runs our academy, and we're fortunate to have a manager in, in Doogie that cares about the club and spends a lot of time with the academy and, and the players that are coming through um, are, are excited about you know the improved standards and, and nutritionists and all the kind of extra help that we we can we can give the boys. And I feel as well the educational side of it, and even included an educational side of it in a in a plan for players is so important particularly where we are you know as you know most of these kids aren't going to make it so actually considering how we manage them and nurture them in their in their in their wider lives and what 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 we leave them with if they don't make it as a professional footballer is also you know it's to be applauded that that side of things are in the report and I agree with you we're very confident that up to 14 you know I'm not sure if if a lot of parents want their kid to be you know unless they're all prepared to move Away, obviously, it's slightly different for us because we do have Chelsea on our doorstep and Arsenal, where they where they could quite possibly not move. And bear in mind that thirteen, they can take players at thirty grand. So you know anybody with any potential, they can come in. But you know we'll fight that on the basis of, of our academy and our nurture and our coaching and all that kind of stuff. The frustration for me, you know, and if if there were three things that I would I would counsel somebody to revisit about it, it's it's. Number one, if you're a Category 1 academy, you've invested in the coaching, you've invested in the facilities, why at 16 should a boy be available at fixed compensation? Why at 16, even if you're a Category 2 academy, should a boy be available at fixed compensation, given that whatever he is at that point, you know, your coaching has, 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 has made him? Um, and then also this, this business of, of what qualifies a player being under contract, you know, up until recently, the offer of a contract at a certain age was enough. And those three things, we believe, would give us a fighting chance of actually being able to manage the situation. 
as I said on on the Sky program, you know, people talk a lot about. I think this gets misconstrued as a kind of money making scheme and a way of just keeping the the club alive. You know, we're not we're not trying to develop players to get to sixteen to try and get the most amount of money we can from from Tottenham or, or from wherever. We're developing players because we want them to stay in the first team. You know, the dream for us would be exactly as Ron did, Gareth. Really, you know, develop players out of the the youth team. Try and keep them in the team for sort of probably from say seventeen to twenty, um, so that you've got a core of players that are better than anything you could go and buy that give you a chance of getting promotion. Then if you get promotion, you're in a position at twenty to offer them the next phase of their career development because there's no need for them to go to a bottom of the half of the Premier League side because arguably that's what you know you would be and obviously you've got the money to meet the the, the wages. Yeah. And that way you kind of you know, you take your 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 club forward, and I just think that there's two or three things about this that have, have kind of sneaked through, weren't really thought through by a lot of the football league clubs who didn't really, frankly, focus enough and understand it. They just saw a little bit more money on the table and they thought well, that would do, and and it just seems unfair in the broader sense when there's so much good in it. That, that there's these things that I think are really genuinely damaging to the long-term future of the game. And, and if we could change those things or revisit those things, you know, it would be an hour of good sense that would be well spent by the powers that be to just, to just have a look at those again. Mm. I mean, I, I think one of, the, uh, one of the things on that, Steve, is that, you know, like any system, uh, and I think, you know, I think it's a, a really interesting point you make about... Um, Category one, you know, having the chance to go and take a, a player from another category one, because as you say, if you are investing that money, there seems to be a, a lot of logic in that. And you know, I, I don't think this um, the, the the documents, you know, you know, there's still some discussions going on on the games program, for example, and and how that will look. So, I think there are elements of this plan that are still evolving and still um, some discussion possible um and quite frankly you're more likely to have the chance to be in that discussion than i am um but um but you know that there are things that i think over um the next six months or so as clubs put these audit tools in as they start to assess which category is going to go in that that uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure things will evolve it's not going to be a system that's going to be stuck where it is for for the next you know, five, six years and that's it. There's no movement in it because I think things will emerge where it will become clear that that part of it is is bang on. It doesn't need any adjustment. This part isn't quite right. And I think one of the reasons that we needed to update the system um, generally that we had was that, you know, it was a fantastic piece of work that Howard Wilkinson did, but it was 15 years ago and the landscape's changed. Um, and, th- and there have been issues for, um, for for boys and for clubs going forward. And um, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I certainly think it's important that um, uh, that football league clubs are, are able to produce their own players. And look, it will be interesting to see because we mustn't forget that you know, whilst you're out scouting your people, so are those Premier League clubs we've spoken about. So are Charlton. So are Millwall. Um, who, who've produced um, players over the years at Charlton, especially? Um, you know, they've all got strong scouting systems. Um, 
the top ones are only going to take the you know the very very best kids and sometimes they don't know that until they are 17 18 or or 21 and they've played 50 games or 100 games in your first team because again even at 16 um you know what whilst we're saying it, it it's it's more apparent than the than the problem you know the the uh, identification at 14 um you know i've Myself, I never got in the first team till 21. I don't think too many people would have taken me at 16. So it, it, it's not clear-cut, but I do understand your your concerns on that. Yeah, I think it's the, it's the nugget, isn't it, though, Gareth? You know, you, you, do get, you do get the odd one. The thing is, it's so much easier for them to take a chance. You know, if, if they can get five for the price that we got for John Bostock at Tribunal, then, you know, there's a temptation to have just more of a scattergun approach. I mean, just to your point about scouting, if you want an observation from me, I think that the, you know, there are two reasons that the, um, that the Premier League clubs don't bring as many players through, not just into their first teams, but even end up having careers in the, in, 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 in the Football League or, or football generally. I think, firstly, that it's not necessarily psychologically that good to start... Um, to start your career somewhere and dream of, you know, being in the kind of Chelsea or the Man United first team and then after the realisation that you're not going to make it there and kind of manage yourself going backwards for a while, I think that that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's quite difficult. But I also think for those clubs, you know, for us, necessity is the mother of invention, isn't it? You know, we don't, we, us, Millwall, you know, Norwich, you know, we, we have to go and try and find that edge from somewhere. So it's so important. We put so much time and effort in. And as you say, we, we, we're so much more likely to give those kids a chance when they come through. Whereas for the bigger clubs, it's difficult for me to see when playing a youngster will, will come in front of, or even finding a youngster will come in front of that ability to just go and buy ready-made talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whilst I think from a commercial point of view, the big Premier League clubs like the idea of this. They've got the homegrown player rule that's a problem for them, they've got, you know, which, as we all know, aren't necessarily English. You know, they're just anybody that's been in an academy for three years. Yeah. Um, they've got that criteria to fulfil and they've got the fact that they look at their, 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 you know, their balance sheets and their profit and loss and they think, well, if we didn't spend as much money on transfers, you know, we'd be, we'd be a much healthier business. But the problem for those guys is that, as you know, it's very difficult to nurture um, talent in that kind of Premier League environment, you know, it's it's as we say to our kids, you know, the the, the Championship, if you like, is almost the best of Britain. Um, it, it's probably the equivalent of the old First Division, and the Premier League is the best players in the world, really. You know, there's such a vast gulf in some ways between the two divisions, and to try and break into that first team is is so difficult. So. You know, I'm not sure that their scouting systems are as well developed in some cases as ours because I just don't think they, they, they're desperate for them to be that, which is why it's always a temptation for them to just watch what happens in our academies, see how the players develop, and then come and pounce on them when they've got the most chance to actually have success. And now they can buy you know, five of them for every one that they used to. Um, it might make it even more attractive to, to, to do that. But you're absolutely right. Hopefully everything isn't fully formed. This, this for us is a part of, if you like, just trying to raise the awareness of the issues and try and get people to focus on a few of the things that we think, you know, yes, that'd be good for Crystal Palace. You know, 
So obviously we're fighting our corner as a club, but we genuinely believe that they're that they that they're they're fair, you know, and they're decent for football in in what after all is a sporting competition. You know, it's meant to be a roughly level playing field. You know, financial fair play, all these things are coming in are, are an attempt to get back to that. So if that's our goal, you know, that we want every supporter of every team to have a possibility for success of some kind for their team, then I think there's some some details that we will certainly internally and externally lobby hard to get people to revisit. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the uh, audit things going forward as well will be, uh, you know, productivity is going to be a key weighting on this. Um, and if clubs start to stockpile players and they don't get them into their first team, then then they will lose their Category 1 status. There's no, there's no question about that because I think the weighting on that will be a lot higher than it will be for your facilities or, or whatever else it might be. So I think that's important. I mean, ironically, although we're all, uh, we all question the, the, the top Premier League clubs on, on their productivity, <laughs> the, the top two over the last 10, 15 years, Manchester United and Arsenal, are actually the best two clubs in the country for bringing kids through. Now, they've done it in different ways. You know, United have done it with local kids, um, Arsenal have done it with one or two English kids, and, uh, but the majority they've taken from abroad. So, um, but those two have given their kids opportunities. Um, but there are plenty of other clubs, as you say, where the psychology of it—I think that was a really good term that you used. You know, um, to to work your way up and to aspire to to go to one of those clubs can be better than having everything at a, at a younger age. And again, I think that's a decision that parents. <laughs> You know, parents have to look at very closely. Um, they've got to weigh up where where are they going to get the best coaching, and if and if your club can uh, can go to Category One status, um, well, I, I'm sure I'm pretty sure the quality of your coaching won't change whether it's Category One or Category Two. But um, I think we will all, you know, at every club, we'll all be looking at the quality of our coaching and and how can we improve that, and how can we get the maximum for the investment we want to put in um, because I think that's um, that, that's very important for everybody. Mm. Now, now Gareth, one thing that like, a lot of people have been concerned about is this this possibility that uh, some football league clubs might completely scrap a youth system where one exists already and really the only sort of response we've had from the football league is that they hope that doesn't happen. I mean, should should that happen, are we not running the risk in terms of the national game of overlooking some, you know, potentially great talent in areas where there no longer will be that sort of scouting network. Yeah, I, I, I don't expect that to happen because I think um, the one area of the plan that financially uh, is is clearly better for football league clubs is the funding. You know, I said to you earlier, at the minute every football league club uh, gets 180,000. Now, if um, if a club goes to category two, they'll get almost three times that amount, um, uh, and it very much depends on how much clubs currently invest in in their youth policy, um, and and you know some clubs took the money that they had and invested a lot more on top of that, as Crystal Palace clearly did. Others did nothing else. Um, clubs that were investing more will, will actually be. You know, considerably better off under the under the funding, and and I suppose from a financial point of view, that's a balance 
to to part of the compensation issue um, because you know you, you, it's easy to look at just one financial element in isolation. Um, but I think in any system, you know, there's always got to be, uh, you know, at the moment some clubs only have a centre of excellence, but they still would put kids in. But they might take, you know, a, a, a League Two club might take. Uh, kids that that leave Manchester United at fourteen or uh, are released at fourteen or sixteen, you know, Crew um, have had a fantastic record, but you know, several of the players they brought through, David Platt, Robbie Savage, were, were kids that were released by United. Um, but what they did, they they got an outstanding coaching set up between the ages of sixteen to twenty one. So it's it, it's horses for courses. It's unrealistic to expect every. League Two club to to try and invest enormously in youth development, but what they may be able to do is is to make their um, sort of sixteen upwards program an outstanding one that they can get um, you know kids back on their feet and back into the system and then sell them on and that's always gone on and I think you'll always have a pyramid from grassroots going right through the football league and to uh, and to Premier League and I've got to say. <laughs> You know, the other thing I have on my travels is grassroots clubs complaining to me that football league clubs take their players and never give them anything other than perhaps the odd set of tracksuits. So you, you, you do see it at every level of the game. And of course, their kids get dropped out of the game by football league clubs or by Premier League clubs mm-hmm. um, and are left to pick up the pieces. And, and, you know, Steve mentioned the education side of thing. I think that's why that's, again, another crucial aspect of, of the plan because... Um, you know, so many kids think that uh, when they sign at 12 or 14 that they've, they've made it and that's it. They don't focus on their schoolwork. And in one sense, I hope that clubs having a bit of a tighter uh, hold on that education programme, you know, these kids will go back into the, uh, into the wide world, uh, you know, better equipped than maybe they have been in the past. Mm. Oh, yeah, I mean, certainly that is, you know, that, as Steve said earlier, and as you said, there are many parts to the uh, the E3P uh, regulations that that have real positive effects and should do on on the young players. I mean, like I say, the education is something that's really key because the number of kids who don't make it to being a professional footballer is for every one. There's so many who don't make it, but at the same time. I feel that the the ones that are going to go to these sort of these big clubs are going are they going to be lost in a in a pool of like not quality players and then just sort of cast out because they're not they're not going to get the first team game time which is what we've seen at Palace I think in developing so much of of, of the player I mean we look at players like Wolf Sahar who came through the academy he was brilliant in the academy but it's taken him a little while to adjust to first team football and it's taken him you know quite a number of games to get there. That if if they don't show that sort of promise immediately, they're just going to be chucked out on loan to a, to anyone. Yeah, I, I think with any development system in any sport, and and you know the one thing I've been able to do over the last six eight months is travel around Europe and and other parts of the world, and to and to look at other sports and development programs. And you know there is no exact science to developing players. There's, there's no question about that. Um, the hours of practice are important. Um, the quality of coaching is important. Playing against and training with top quality players is equally important. You know that that challenge on the training ground is is crucial to the development of players. If I look back to what we had at Palace uh, in the late eighties, early nineties, you know it's no 
coincidence that we had a crop of kids come through. John Solarco, Richard Shaw, Chris Powell, myself, all, all went on to be involved with England because you were training against each other every day and, and, and that in itself pushed, the, it pushed you on. Um, so that competition of, of best with best is, is a very important situation as well. It doesn't always follow that, guys, does it? I mean, you know, you've got to figure, I don't know the details, but you've got to figure that the Chelsea, um, you know, let's say Liverpool academies, I mean, they've got so many players, some of these academies, and the raw material that they're, that they're getting from all over the world is, is fantastic DNA, you know? And yet, so they're all playing together and they're all fantastic players, I mean, I would totally agree with you. Man, Man, Manchester United clearly have something that they do that they do right. You know, they're still bringing players through, but but they're the exception, aren't they? You know, they're not the rule. If you look at the, you know, even the bulk of of Premier League clubs. So, well, I mean, you, you know much more about this than me, but it does seem to be sometimes more luck than judgment, really, as to whether a crop of players, you know come through I don't necessarily think it follows that you know this the best need to train with the best and all this kind of stuff is does that necessarily work all the time look I, I think I think as you say there is it an exact science it, it's very difficult you can only look at programs that have worked what, what's been done within those programs whether it's been elite tennis academies you know other sports in this country where as I said to you earlier, they have regional centres um, in, in those sports to get those best kids coming through. Now, you're right. Manchester United's programme in many, many different ways is, is a fantastic one. And one of the biggest things they do is have um, the, the, the right challenge for the kids, the right care for the kids. They don't discard kids when they're too small. You know, the, we've seen the likes of Welbeck come through their system um, who you know they had to be so patient with medically, uh, and they've been brilliant at that. You know, a lot of people talk about Sir Alex Ferguson and say, "Well, the hairdryer," but believe me, the amount of research he's had done in, at that club into how kids grow, what you know, what their development rates are, is absolutely phenomenal. So it's not luck that they've produced those players. He's, he's, he's yeah, I, I, I think I think Sir Alex's deep secret is that. He actually doesn't do any of that. I've heard that he's incredibly nurturing and, you know, positive and it's all about making them feel like champions. And, you know, he might have 15 minutes at half-time, 15 minutes at the end of the game. But other than that, it's, you know, that's the trick. You know, the persona that, that, that you see, it, 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 it's actually the positive environment and the, how they build the players up and how they nurture them that, that, that is what brings them through. Definitely, but uh, but I think the point you made about you know some other Premier League clubs, um, you know, it's clear because of, we're seeing the lack of players that have come through their systems or that have been produced generally. Um, that generally speaking, we want to raise the standards of that coaching and, and that care, um, and that's that's why you know the you know the the football side and the coaching side of the program has been put in place because um not enough of you know there's not enough of a talent pool coming through of our kids now there's a challenge for our kids as well by the way because you know they have got to be better than kids from all around the world now 
and it's not enough to just be as good as anybody in our country or as good in as uh, kids on the British Isles as it used to be. You know, you've got to commit yourself to being uh, as good as kids that are going to come from Europe or possibly Africa or other parts of the world. So they have got a challenge. Coaches have got a challenge to keep their jobs and, and to take on everybody else. And, you know, generally speaking, that's, uh, as an FA, one of the things we've been talking about over the last few months. You know, we've got to raise the level of our coaching as a country, get it as a recognised profession, um, and make sure that when we've got good coaches, that we that we keep them and that we um, that we help them to develop. It's not just a case of sitting in a uh, sitting in a qualification. We've got to provide that aftercare for coaches as well. You know, I agree with you. I mean, I think that we we need to do what we can to 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 create better English players. As a, 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 as you said, I think we're in agreement. I would far rather see. You know, as you said, Switzerland, I think Germany have got the same thing. Regional centres where the best players from clubs, you know, that are German, go to those regional centres and are groomed for excellence, you know, for the German side, presumably. I mean, I seem to remember that we had a great crop from Lillishaw, didn't we? That Lillishaw was actually a success. I don't, I don't, I can't remember, but I don't know why, why we turned the, the, the clock back. I, I think, you know, history will, 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 will judge, won't it? But I just think that to leave the, the, the future of the national game and the England success in the hands of the top Premier League clubs who, let's face it, don't care, really. They don't care. I mean, if you look at the, the Premier League report, the EPP report, it, it's littered with we need more homegrown players, homegrown players, homegrown players. They, they occasionally remember and they talk about English players but they don't really care where these players come from as long as they can fulfil their, their homegrown criteria and they spend less on, on, on transfer fees. You know, whether within that um, some English boys get a better opportunity remains to be seen. Again, it just seems like a bit of a sledgehammer to crack a nut. If, 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 the, if the aim is to get a better England team, then we should do something that's specifically for English players. Whereas this is a system that that, 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 that that catches everybody, and the the big benefactors will be will be the rich Premier League clubs. I think, yeah, I mean, I think we'd love a system that only benefited English players. Unfortunately, one of the other things we're constrained by is European law, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I do understand that. That's everywhere we turn there's sort of frustrations that are way above the level that we can influence and affect but look i mean steve i think genuinely um you know one of the things that that has impressed me you know going back to the club years has always been the youth setup and you you you've got to keep doing what you're doing you know it, there's no doubt in my mind that that is the right thing for your football club um it's proven over the years uh, and look, we've got to hope that this works for for everybody. Um, and I totally understand your frustrations. And 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 I think pretty much we're sort of along the same lines. Uh, I think what prompted the, the 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 call to to the guys here is the sort of grief I was getting from Palace fans saying, "Well, you know, you're sitting there on your backside doing nothing and not worried about it." Well, I do worry about it. You know, I do worry about. Uh, my job is to try and help English kids progress. Your job, understandably, is to do what's right for your club and 
chairman and chief executives of other clubs or leagues are going to do what's right for them and somehow we've got to try and make the system work as best we can um but you know i'm i'm sort of on the practitioner level and i've got to try and help your guys within the academy to to make the quality of that the best we possibly can help them get their qualifications uh, and and make sure that that's fulfilling and and in, and and makes them the best they can possibly be and um, and if you can convince one or two of your lads to play for England instead of other countries, that would be a massive help for us as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, we should we should have a conversation with that, about that offline. But listen, I I, I, I certainly would, would you know it, I, I I've seen some of the degrees that you've got, which 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 is unfair. I mean, it's not um, it's not something that you're personally responsible for. As you said, there's a lot of politics involved in it, and there's a lot of Difficulties with with an I, 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 EU law being one of them that we all understand, and of course, some fans have said, "Well, you know, we should challenge it because it's non-competitive." But actually, we probably get less we get less security from contract law with minors involved mm. than we would than we would operate within a football system. So, everybody wants to kind of solve this inside football. I just feel that there's a few things, and, and and you know you're on the inside. Hopefully you you know you've been brave enough to come on here and and and, and meet this head on here arguments. And I think you know you're certainly to be applauded for that because it also seems that a lot of other people are ducking the issue. You know we had a debate on Sky Sports News. I don't think the FA or the Football League were prepared to put anybody up in that debate. You know nobody's trying to make anybody look bad. We just want to revisit some of these things. That there's there's a lot of frustration about you know it's not just me Leeds and and Southampton and, and, and a lot of other clubs are are concerned about but look we've probably taken up enough of your evening I certainly would, <laughs> would, would, would really thank you for coming on as I, as I said offline we'd love to see you back at the club and and and, and you're always welcome I know you know most fans um, still remember you for all the fantastic things you achieved at, at, at Palace and, and 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 went on to achieve. Um, so I don't think that you know the little bit of stick that you've got. I hope it doesn't put you off coming down to see us. No, listen, Steve. I, look, I really appreciate that. I mean, if if you're going to get involved in something like Twitter, you've got to expect to get a bit of abuse. <laughs> so, you know, I I think one of the things that I find is that it's a great way that at least um, you can try and have some communication with people and explain some of the things. And look, I understand people's frustrations. Palace fans, like fans of every club in the country, uh, are bloody passionate about their club and, and want what's right for their club. And um, I can totally understand where they're from, where they're coming from. It, it, it's impossible for them to understand the political landscape. I, I'm I'm still slightly baffled by elements of it, um, uh, as we will all be at FIFA level and UEFA level and all those sorts of things. But. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and at least mm. explain the elements of the of the program I was of supporting, um, and let's hope that um, that um, this time next year that, that Palace are one of those Premier League clubs, um, and um, and that we're uh, we, we're watching Doogie lead them out at Old Trafford. That'd be great. Listen, thanks, Gareth. Can I can I just sort of leave you on, on one little question? I've had lots of observations. Uh, from from listeners, and it's really just something that, that a lot of people have picked up on. Uh, you seem to be quite sort of frustrated from within within the FA that you know you've you've got a guideline that you know you want to support the development of English players, but you 
you know, do, do, in some ways, does the Premier League have too much power? Are you being effectively prevented from doing that in, in the best way possible? Um, it, well, look, I don't, I don't think it's so much that. I think what's happened was that, um, unfortunately, five or six years ago, um, and as I said earlier, under previous uh, regime at the Football League, previous regime at the FA, um, you know, those decisions were taken and signed off for, you know, as far as I can see, because of solidarity payments, um, that took that um, control out of the FA. Now, I know that Sir Trevor didn't agree with that at the time. He didn't agree that the money should be distributed from uh, a a body outside of the FA, and and he made that very clear. And he's been battling a a lone voice on that for for quite a long period of time. Mm. Um, and, And now... You know, in his view, at least there's going to be some some accountability for the way that people spend their money, um, it, not without its problems and its issues, and we can all see that, and, and I think everybody understands that, um, yeah. and 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 that you know I totally understand the the the, the misunderstandings because, as I say, you know I, I keep looking at the landscape in other countries where the governing bodies run it, um, and they. Um, and, and you know everything's in place and answerable to and funded by the governing body. Now yeah. it's um, it's uh, you know a really difficult one I think for everybody to understand. But um, we've, as I say, going forward, what we've got to do, you know, because I'm conscious that um, I've got really excellent relationships with lots of people in football league clubs. Um, you know, lots of whom I've spoken to in the, you know, over the last six months to try and keep them informed of what's going on, and um, you know, we've got to make it work for those clubs because um, not only will they be providers of England players of the future, not only do we want to see a competitive football league, um, but those clubs will will undoubtedly be Premier League clubs over the next few years as well. So, you know, there is a football family to 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 try and. Um, pull together um, and it's been too splintered for too long and, and the yeah. more we can get everybody around the table and having these sorts of conversations um, I don't think we can progress as a game in this country unless, unless everybody is around the table talking because there are too many fractured parties for it to, uh, to succeed if we don't yeah definitely okay that's a fantastic summary um gareth thank you so much um listen i hope to speak to you again soon as well because i mean obviously you know you're a, you're a palace legend in some people's eyes certainly in my eyes because uh, you're a crawly boy and an ex hazelwick pupil like me so um so it's, well, it's definitely good to speak to you mate um look we'll be i'm sure we'll be in touch because this issue will run and run and, and if we've got some more questions for you i hope you'll be gracious enough to uh, to join us again yeah, no, um, as I say, appreciate the opportunity to come on and, uh, and, and wish everyone all the best. That's brilliant. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Gareth. Okay. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Gareth. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Um, well, Steve, I'll, I'll give you a chance if you've got anything. Uh, and, you know, obviously there was quite a lot that, um, that we got from that. Um, in, I mean, where do we go from here, really? Is this the question? Well, you know, I thought Gareth, you know, I, I genuinely think it was good of him to come on and, and, and have mm. that debate. Um, I, I I just don't think that the issues that that I've been raised have been raised forcibly enough from our side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think that many people, many of the football league clubs, really engage themselves too much in it. Um, and I, you know, I think some things 
you know, the way the vote was conducted, there, there just was really no chance that anybody, you know, that the majority were ever going to say no. Um, I do think that there's somebody's got to have a duty of care for the game. You know, I think this is where the government have told, you know, the FA that, that, that they need to sort themselves out. You know, somebody's, somebody surely has got to be responsible for the long-term future of the game. And, and there's, there's uh, as Gareth eloquently pointed out, there's, there's a lot of very good stuff in this and um, a lot of stuff to be applauded. Um, but it does seem that the FA's hands are tied in terms of really arriving at the point that, that, that they want to be at. And for me, I find it difficult to understand you know how how they can get themselves in that situation that 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 the, the tail is wagging the dog in some ways. Um, so you know, hopefully, with the right kind of pressure, these kind of debates, um, sensible debate that, that that tries to arrive at the right answer rather than kind of score points. You know, mm. we 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 might see some some sense um, come into a few of the areas. So I think it's great exposure. I'm sure. The debate will be reported a little bit more widely, um, and other fans from other clubs will will, will 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 get to grips with it. And I think what what it hopefully will enable us to do is is galvanise around a couple of sensible issues, rather than mm-hmm. fans and people kind of putting pressure on the whole thing. Um, because you know it's very easy to be open to criticism if you just criticise the whole thing, because there's a lot of it that's good, and actually yeah, yeah. just focus on. The couple of things that really do make it, I think, very unreasonable on on um, on other clubs and other academies, and 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 you, you know you never know with some sensible debate and sensible um, sort of discussions of the issues, you know things things may may change. You know every now and again you do get an outbreak of, of good sense in life, and, and 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 maybe that will happen. So I think it's great that you've devoted so much time to it on the. On the program, and, and I'm sure it'll get reported wider, and, and and let's see what happens. Let's see if we can make a difference. That's great. No, um, we're we're definitely going to push this out there as much as we can, try and raise a bit more awareness. And like you say, I think we've already seen a, a, a you know, a, we've got the 72 Unite program that's going ahead, and and, and it's protesting the e, E3B as a whole. Uh, and like you say, that that that's kind of if you, and that needs to be more focused. So um, hopefully that's a good message. Yeah, that comes and I just I'll say Gareth as well. I mean, he has got a lot of stick. You know, I think people heard for people that really listened to what he had to say there. You know, mm. he's he's you know as frustrated as sure as Trevor Brooking is as well by some of the things. You know, yeah. um, but without a groundswell of opinion to to, to change anything. You know, we I think we've got to be careful that we don't just rail against anybody that's you know ever been involved with anything a lot of people do a lot of hard work you know inside the game to try and get things that are you know for the good of the game um but obviously publicly you know they're part of institutions and they have to be seen to support certain things so i think it's he was very candid with us i think very brave to come on and i think you know palace fans should should really applaud him for doing that you know because he, he you know he doesn't have to come on to our our club radio station does he and, and, and do yeah, that exactly you know it, 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 there's nothing in it for him you know it's not five live it's not more exposure you know i think that's a genuine act of somebody that cares for our club and cares mm-hmm. about the, the, the state of football so you know I, I think we need to stop sort of blaming him for it because it's it certainly isn't gareth's fault and he's and he's one of the few that's been brave enough to come and, and, and discuss yeah. it so yeah i couldn't agree more already for that Excellent stuff. All right, Steve, we'll, we'll let you go as well. Um, good.
Sure, 21 past nine, that's... Uh, yeah, you've had yeah, your... <laughs> How much do I get? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, um, I'll get back to you on that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the check will be in the post, so to speak. So uh, The pay's not good in <clears> the radio station. Do you know what? It's not. Currently, I think we're running at a fairly substantial loss, so if you want a share of that, you're more than welcome. Oh, um, right. <laughs> sounds like a good time. I, I, I've got a loss making football club, thanks. <laughs> the radio station's your problem. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Hopefully we could tag on to it. Never mind, no. Okay, anyway. Cheers. All right, listen, Steve, thanks so much, mate. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, no doubt. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks, Bye Steve. Bye. Okay, uh, yeah, a little few more thanks to go. Um, but, but first of all, really just want to sort of point people in the direction of the uh, 72 Unite website. Uh, hopefully uh, the guys involved with that would have had a listen tonight as well and uh, and can sort of focus that. Uh, uh, in in the way that Steve's suggesting, because I think there's um, I think you you heard from from Gareth's comments and from what Steve said that there's you know there's work to be done on this. Not everything is set in stone, and, and there's a chance with with sensible rational debate and that 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 some difference can be made. Really, um, I don't know if you wanted to summarise anything there, John. Give you a chance. Well, to be honest, I think personally I learnt a lot about the involvement of the FA in all mm. of this, and they've taken a lot of flack. And it seems, for whatever reason, that they're, they're unable to change certain parts of this. The things that it seems that they have had an influence on seem to be the better things coming out of this rule. And it seems that the, um, the, the, the Premier League, the part that they've controlled in this, which is essentially the money side, is, mm. is, is one of the main issues that, that, that the other clubs have got with it. So I think it's... Uh, you know, a lot of people are sort of pressuring, wanting to pressure the FA, and even yeah. I've said it in the past, we should be pressuring the FA. I think, not necessarily, I think it should be the Premier League if they're going to receive any any pressure, any any flack for all of this. Mm. I mean, it, it, that it's, it's better directed towards them because they're the one who have essentially held a gun to the 72, the club's head, in saying, yeah. you know, we'll withdraw money. I mean, if it was going to be something that was for the betterment of the game, then why did that money need to be an issue if it was uh, yeah, exactly. going to be for the better of yeah. the game then then they would then the clubs would have agreed to it anyway exactly. there was there was no need to uh, to, have, to have a threat there you know because then because it's not really a fair vote then is it if you've got a threat behind it but um i, d- I did notice on the bbs eagle and i was saying uh it's only chance of getting scudamore on the show for the next one i don't think the square felt would take it from me but um yeah i mean certainly there's a, <laughs> a further debate to be had there but yeah i mean look i, I thought gareth was um was was great for coming on. Um, I just, you know, again, I want to reiterate my thanks for that. And and obviously, Steve was as fantastic as we've come to expect. Um, oh, Steve, Steve, we didn't we didn't have to do we didn't have to do any, do any work really. I just, I, you know, I got to read the uh, the hole in the BBS during most of that. But um, I'm sure, like everyone else, I want to I want to listen to that again probably a couple of times to digest all of the information in there. And um, there's a hell of a lot there. And, and the podcast will be available. Probably it'll be tomorrow, but it depends. I'll, I'll negotiate with Mikey afterwards. So I know a few people <laughs> had some trouble uh, tuning in and, and want to hear it kind of straight away. So we'll, we'll see what we can do feet. on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, even though my flu symptoms have worsened during it, when I went to speak at the end there, I suddenly realised I can't hear out my left ear now. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I do listen. have a a message to send out. Off you before, go. Before the end, I, I, I want to apologise to every single person who follows me on Twitter because <laughs> I have absolutely bombarded their timelines today. 
and um, trying to get some extra publicity for the show because I think it's I think it's a really big issue and I think it's something that a lot of people have gained a lot from listening to and um, I, I, I try not to um, over-publicise everything and fill up people's timelines but I, I did today um, so, so sorry when I, sure, I, 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 I unfollowed you it was getting annoying um, okay, the, I actually yeah. gained well, a follower through, through it all so <laughs> that was that was a result um, thank, listen, thanks to everyone who, who listened, and obviously thanks to John for joining me today, um, um, and obviously Mikey for his work in the background there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable stuff, um, and we will uh, we will let you all know about the, what the hell. We'll let you all know about the podcast as soon as it's available. Um, you know, you want to talk to us? Um, if anyone wants wants to use any of that content for anything, just email us radio at homestyle dot net and let us know you're going to do it. Otherwise, we might get furious with you. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, speak to you again next Monday, I guess. No, Tuesday, no, no. Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> oh, my God. Cheers. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.